Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, or whenever you happen to be listening to this, welcome back to the Film Realist Podcast, the film and TV podcast from a complete nobody that's hopefully for somebody. I am your host, Kyle Naranya. Apologies for the week with no episode. I'm going to be completely frank. Here's what happened. Uh, My car broke down and took it into the shop to see how much repair would be required to get it back in working order, and uh, $6,000 is more than my car is worth, so with that... I had to go new car shopping, had to manage travel with the wife so that way I could get to work, she could get get to work, and quite frankly, that pretty much consumed all of my free time. The used car market is crazy. I typically buy used, continue to do so. I'm happy to report I have found a car. I will be getting it in a couple days, date of recording, but there's been a couple things I wanted to talk about. I haven't been able to see any of the features that have released a streaming that I wanted to cover. So I will hopefully be doing that on a future episode. But I wanted to still able I was wanted to still be able to give an episode this week. So there are two trailers that I wanted to talk about. And this episode's gonna be a little more free flow if I can think of things for the rest of it after I've done those two trailer reactions. There may be more. Or I may do a segment that I'm calling What Am I Looking Forward To at the end of the show. So you're gonna listen along, hopefully listen along to this and see where we go from here. If you're listening to this already, you'll know where we go. I don't. So that's the fun of this episode. I can say the first trailer I'm going to react to is The Flash Official Trailer 2. Let's get into it. All right, so in the beginning of the trailer, we get to see a little bit more of the 1989 Michael Keaton Batman. It looks like he has not been Batman for quite a while. We see a haggard What I'm assuming is Bruce Wayne, given the fact that we see him from the back, we get to see Wayne Manor is empty. Unfortunately, Alfred Goth, who played. Oh, my goodness, Alfred. Can you tell him out of practice? I can. As long passed away, the Batcave is completely covered in dust. The Batwing has left in its hangar. It hasn't even been accessible. We see that it's descending over top of the exit we get to see a multiple of bat suits which is really cool one that seems to fit into different styles of the character one very reminiscent of the earth one batman a comic that i quite enjoyed and we get to see then a more refined bruce wayne with michael keaton looking just like the elderly gentleman that he is but more akin to the 1989 batman one of the things that i wanted to talk about in watching this trailer that i was thinking of while watching it for the time just before recording this, is that I want to know how the multiverse is going to be explored in this. We know that Barry goes back in time and resets his own timeline or his own universe with the Flashpoint paradox, as it's known, and I believe we get to see him running through the Speed Force, which will result in things changing, particularly in his universe, Because of the death of his mother and his father being accused of that murder, I believe we get to see him running through the Speed Force. And I'm just the way that the trailer seems to pitch it. I'm clicking along here. I apologize. I normally will edit that out of the episode, but I'm clicking along to the trailer as I am looking for scenes to talk about. And we see him what would likely be around the 2013 era to which when Man of Steel came out. But one thing that these trailers haven't addressed is does he go to a different universe to recruit a Batman? Does the result of his Flashpoint in the comics, anyways, and in the film adaptation Justice League Flashpoint Paradox, 
we know that it results in Bruce Wayne being murdered and Thomas Wayne becoming Batman. Obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, these trailers have led us to believe that that is not the case for what's going on here, that Michael Keaton is Batman. But if you have seen uh, the Arrow versus Christ on Infinite Earths, we know those are different Earths, and I would be shocked to, to see that they are the same ones in here. So is the result of his Flashpoint paradox that we lose or maybe all of the Waynes were murdered. That could be a scene that could be quite compelling to see all three of them gunned down by Joe Chill, resulting in no super or no Batman. We do see that Supergirl was in captivity. That that does fit along with the Flashpoint paradox. Obviously, in that storyline, it was Clark Kent slash Kal-El who was captured by the state and was not allowed to be Superman. So does he travel to the 1989 universe to do so? Another interesting part, we've continue, continually seen clips of Barry's mom being murdered. And in the comics, that is Eobard Thawne, the reverse Flash, Professor Zoom, depending on the name you want to use. And there has been no acknowledgement of that at all, which I find quite interesting. I would be shocked to see a reveal that it is a character that the movies, the trailers for the film have not teased at all, which would be insane. We do get to see a couple more interactions with Kara. We get to see Ben Ke Ben Keaton, Michael Keaton say the let's get nuts line. One of the most famous lines from the 1989 Batman movie. There's a, a significant amount of more flash shots. There was a full blown clip now in this trailer of Barry from the flashpoint earth or the new timeline in a Batman suit. That's been altered to be the flash suit, which was, referenced in a toy, which is quite cool. I enjoy the fact that they're doing that. But there are more elements of the Flashpoint Paradox teased in this. We get to see Barry, what I'm assuming, go through the experiment that ultimately does give him his powers. There is a specific shot where it seems like he is on, t on a table with the chemicals, which was the accident that did re result in Barry being struck by lightning, which gave him access to the Speed Force. We again see this, sh this sequence of... Ben Affleck's Batman, which would appear to be in a blue cape, which is super cool. Comic book accuracy is awesome now, thank God. And he is driving away from some sort of cataclysm. It'd be interesting if that has to do potentially with the 2013 Zod stuff happening, because we know that Batman was around at that time, and he was in Gotham, or in Metropolis, when Zod was fighting Superman, but maybe with Zod not fighting Superman... Batman was able to get was able to be called into action and maybe Batman in the Flashpoint universe is killed by Zod. Now, you may be thinking, Kyle, have you heard any of these theories anywhere else? Quite frankly, no. I try to avoid other people's opinions on trailers so that way I can approach it with my own ideas and I don't want the ideas that I have to be what I think the movie's going to be. It's just more what I believe the trailers are implying. And if I'm completely wrong, I'd love nothing more than to be surprised by that. But we've seen the same sequence more than once with Batman. We get to see a little more and we get to see an actual altercation between the other berries. Now there has been teases as to what may happen with the berry who does not have powers that we see earlier in the film. And I'm very curious where that may be going. I don't want to address the rumors because they are just rumors at this point. What One of the parts of the trailer that I really like is given the fact that Kara Zor-El or Supergirl was not raised by the Kents like Kal-El, her cousin Clark, 
that she seems to lack that humanity that made him special. And you can argue the level of hope that Henry Cavill Superman had, but the fact that she is almost this feral wild animal and wants nothing more than to kill Zod is really interesting. Kara having left Krypton as a, as a young woman would have a much different perspective on what Zod did on Krypton than a baby who would be aware of completely nothing, which is awesome. And I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to seeing Sasha Kale's portrayal of this character. We have only had a handful of Supergirls with uh, Laura. Oh, I can't remember her last name off the top of my head in Smallville. Melissa Benoist in the Supergirl show and the Arrowverse as a whole, as well as the feature film from the 80s. And now with this version, so only four in live action. She showed up in cartoons more than once, but I'm very curious. We do get to see Ben, Ben, I almost did it again. Not Ben Affleck. He's my personal favorite live action Batman. Not that that matters, but we do get to see Michael Keaton's Batman involved in what would appear to be the fight with the Kryptonians. So I'm very curious about What's going to happen with Michael Keaton's Batman? Is he going to reach his end gloriously kind of going out to be a hero like Batman does in that timeline? Things are going to get reset in a super weird way that we have no idea. And as silly as it is, I did really like seeing the Batwing turn into the bat signal in the moon. It's one of the campiest scenes from the original 89 film. And I love that. I all the early screening reviews have been out for this. People are very excited about the film. It seems like it's mostly positive. I would take those reactions with a grain of salt, given the fact that typically that's the case. It's become a joke. If you are a fan of the weekly planet podcast, where it's best movie ever or worst movie ever, I have to say that I am much more looking forward to this. It seems to be focusing even more so on the other berries, even though there are a lot of other things happening in this film. Ezra Miller is a great actor. I'm I cannot wait to see what they do with two different versions of the character. That dichotomy could be really interesting on the big screen. And I'm happy to say that my optimism has significantly increased and especially getting to see another scene, which was and not another scene. I should I should correct myself a extended look at the scene. We do know Ben Affleck has as Bruce Wayne talking to Barry, the Barry we do know. Everything in this looks super fun. I hope that the story is well thought through and that this leads to a phenomenal slight altering of the DC universe to become the DCU permanently. Also something that I'm very happy that DC Comics has done lately, which is push the comics that this story is inspired by. We do see here The Flash, The Flash, This Man Alive, a movie tie-in comic, as well as Flashpoint and The Flash New 52. If you don't know, The Flashpoint comic book line created the new 52 universe and that was eventually redone with dc rebirth which is the current continuity we're in you can tweet me what you thought of this trailer i quite enjoyed it i'm very much looking forward to this it's only it's just over a month away so hopefully dcu has an incredible film to start and the dceu has a great film to end on let's get into the next trailer i wanted to talk about which is Transformers Rise of Beasts official trailer. All right, Transformers Rise of the Beasts or hey, remember the Beast Wars? They were really awesome in the mid 90s. 
Let's use that nostalgia because we've worn out of 1980s nostalgia. Just kidding. Guess what we're going to have in this trailer? We're going to tease actual giant, and it's not even a tease. We're going to show you planet-size eating Unicron. I find this absolutely hilarious, especially considering that in the last Transformers film that was of the main continuity, we had Unicron, which was the Unicron that was inside Earth. There are different versions of Unicron, but if you're going to do Unicron, you've got to do Unicron from the 1980s film that introduced the character. Transformers, the movie from 1986, is still the best Transformers film of all time. It did a phenomenal job of completely changing the generation, introducing a bunch of different characters. And as somebody who is a fan of that movie, where's Hot Rod as Rodimus Prime? Where's Ultra Magnus? Come on, if we're going to do this, let's do it right. Besides that, I think that this looks like a lot of fun. We clearly are still holding on to having human characters. We have Anthony Ramos and Dominique Fishback as the two leads. That's fine. But we do get to see a significant amount of of Transformers talking to Transformer scenes. What the heck is this timeline? We have no idea. We do hear Ron Perlman as Optimus Primal establishing that the Maximals have been on Earth for centuries, which is certainly interesting, especially given the kinds of characters that they are. And it's hilarious because they're giant animals. They don't fit in with, they're not doing the size changing, but Unicron is looking for the Maximals and are the Autobots here just by happenstance? Do they know about Unicron? It seems like they don't, which is really cool. I One of the aspects of Bumblebee that I'm very happy that they stuck to is Generation 1 designs in full CG, three dimensions and whatnot. I'm a little disappointed that we still don't keep Optimus with his faceplate. It would be even easier on the visual effects artists because you just have a plate moving up and down. We're so used to it. We don't need to see his lips. It'd be something that would also help differentiate from the Michael Bay quintilogy as well. We do get to see some of the Terracons, so not the Predacons, which I find interesting. We've got Scourge, Battletrap, Nightbird, Transit, and Terracon. So not any of the Beast Wars characters that people are familiar with, which I find especially weird. We did have a bunch of different ones. We had Starscream, Pterosaur, Tarantulas, Scorponok, Black Arachna, Arachnia, Tigertron. And then, of course, we had Megatron, who was a giant T-Rex. So I'm a little disappointed that we're not going to get to see the dinosaurs fighting the Maximals. That was one of the most appealing parts of that show. Cold-blooded animals versus warm-blooded animals. Let's go. We do get to see a lot of other action in this trailer. And one of the parts that I most appreciate is it's coherent. We get to see Optimus Primal go through a bunch of different Terracons on this wide... Well, I wish the environment wasn't overall gray. I'm assuming that has to do with the fact that Unicron is melting and terraforming the Earth to live on it. But getting to see these 80s designs in full CG is amazing. Something that the 90s film... Or the 90s, the early 2000s, I mean, I guess to mid-2000s films did not want to touch at all. Don't know how to feel about the fact that we get to we see Anthony Ramos's character Noah in Transformer armor. I'm sure that is a part of the lore that I'm unfamiliar with. Transformers Prime is something on my bucket list of Transformer shows I haven't had a chance to watch yet. I know that it's very, very well done. The film does take place in 1994. It would have been cool if it was 1996, the year that Beast Wars did come out. 
Mirage is there, voiced by Peter. I almost said Peter Dinklage. My brain. Oh my goodness. Pete Davidson. So I was close enough. We don't get to see one of my favorite Maximals, which is Rat Trap. We only get to see Air Razor, Rhinox, Cheetor. And obviously I mentioned Optimus Primal already. I think this looks like a lot of fun. I hope that the story is somewhat coherent because that would be, it would be great. We do get Wheeljack, which is really cool. I'm very curious if this newer continuity is going to do the same thing as the 80s film, which is give us some of the original Generation 1 characters, kill them off, and introduce new characters. As somebody, as I said already, was a big fan of the 80s movie, it would be cool in a way. Optimus Primal is a character, Optimus Prime, not Primal, is a character we've had a significant run with. Peter Cullen's getting up there. Ron Perlman does a great job as Optimus Primal. He did that in the War for Cybertron trilogy, which I really enjoyed. I even have two of the toys from that, which are re-releases of toys that I grew up with in the 90s. I'm hoping that the mythology is handled in a more similar or in a simpler fashion than it was in the other ones. I don't want Anthony Ramos's character Noah to be like Autobot Jesus, but Stephen Capel, yeah, I apologize. Stephen Capel Jr. made a really great sequel with Creed 2, and I hope he was given the ability to make something fun that did not have to please a whole bunch of boardroom executives. The fact that we're getting 80s Unicron, again, I'm just looking at this shot. It's awesome. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that. The character is going to be voiced by Coleman Domingo, who is a Tony Award winning actor. I'm trying to see something. He's in Law and Order. Fear the Walking Dead is Victor Strand. And he's in Euphoria. So this guy's got a voice that I think will rival Orson Welles with this character. The fact that we're not going to have Galvatron and some of the Generation 1 characters is not necessarily the worst for me, but... I would be very curious if we are going to get teases for other characters in the universe we don't see in this one. There have been rumored responses to test screenings, which I'm not going to address because they're just rumors. And who knows at this point what the film will look like in its, again, in just over a month. Man, June is jam-packed. But of course, I will be reviewing this on the podcast. You can look forward to that episode shortly after the film releases on opening weekend. I'm, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I don't like using that word alone, but if it has a decent story and the action is fun and coherent, as a Transformers fan, getting to see the versions of the characters I was introduced to with Beast Wars and then going back and watching Generation 1 shortly after that, I'm looking forward to this and I haven't looked forward to a Transformers movie in a while. What do you think about this? Let me know again. Tweet at me or specifically the podcast socials if you are looking forward to Transformers Rise of the Beasts. All right, so that will do it for this episode. 19 minutes, just short of, or just longer than. I'm having a really hard time. I've been up since 4 a.m. I'm not complaining. I hope this episode was entertaining for you. Very shortly, if you're curious about what I am looking to in the streaming world, I've been tweeting about it. Warrior on Crave, if you are Canadian, and HBO Max, which will soon be Max, I guess, this month, is coming out at the end of June with two episodes releasing for the beginning of season three's premiere. It will continue, I believe, six episodes after that, or it might be eight. I'm not exactly sure. I probably should have looked that up before I started speaking, but hey, it's just a one-man operation, so sometimes I know stuff, sometimes I don't. Ten, so, I, so it'll be... Eight episodes after that. It is a Kung Fu Western that was originally con conceived by Bruce Lee and then 
kind of stuck in development forever, not officially, but within himself, and was eventually brought back by his daughter, Justin Lin and Jonathan Troper, who did Banshee. I love this show. It has great characters. It introduced me to Andrew Koji, who was Storm Shadow in the Snake Eyes origin movies. He was also the father in Bullet Train. He was also, believe it or not, Han's stunt double in a couple of the Fast and Furious films. I really enjoy this show. I think it has a really intricate story about the Chinese experience in the late 1800s in the United States after all the Chinese have been brought over for building the railroads. And there was the Chinese Exclusion Act that a lot of politicians were fighting for because the American citizens weren't getting work because Chinese labor was much cheaper. It's certainly something that resonates after the Chinese and Asian hate that happened during the pandemic. It's unfortunate that there is some connection to something more recent. Other Outside of that, I think that it's a wildly entertaining show. If you like good action, Brett Chen, who is the stunt coordinator, does a phenomenal job with this show. The main cast are well-skilled at providing awesome fight scenes, but giving good performances and compelling characters. So I am very happy that it is going to be getting a third season. The show was originally a Cinemax show. It's shot over in South Africa. And another one of my favorite shows that was suggested to me a while back is Black Sails. That's all. That's a star show that I would recommend. I have finished Star Wars Bad Batch Season 2. Absolutely loved it. If you have not watched it yet, I think it does a phenomenal job of exploring a part of the universe that we have not really seen just after Order 66. Not with Jedis, not with main characters, but clones on the ground and how do they react to everything going around going on around them and um, i still have not finished season three of the mandalorian i'm slowly working my way through that apologies i if you want a season review of that let me know on twitter even though it's late if you still want to see it you can tweet me or the podcast for that and we are slowly getting to guardians of the galaxy which is releasing this week and then we're gonna start getting into the crazy summer and big blockbuster month so i am looking forward to that I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Please share it with your friends if they like one person rambling about pop culture. Leave a five-star review or just leave any review. Any sort of interaction I thoroughly appreciate. Again, said it a bunch of times on this episode. If you want some sort of interaction or a question discussed on the episode or answered, you can tweet at me, Kyle underscore Naranya, or at Film Realist. Don't forget, Realist has two E's, not an E and an A. That'll do it for this week. Next week's episode will be a review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I hope you enjoyed this, and I hope to see you next time.